The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Level three. This is SportsRidge. I am Gable Moranzi. Countdown to kickoff is on. And what did I tell you guys last week? Time goes by fast, right? I said, ah, it feels like, yeah, it's 14 days and all this, but it'll really it'll really blaze by, and here we are right now. We're now uh, six days away uh, from the Super Bowl. So we're talking about some of our, our picks and props. We're not going to go, basically, look, if I like something, I'm going to play it. If I like something, I'm going to play it. I do have somewhat of a, you know, of a, an attack plan of rolling the dice with some plus money props, knowing that I'm not going to hit them all, but I don't need to hit them all, right? They, so the team that scores first wins the game. 68% of the time, the team that scores first wins the Super Bowl. But it's plus 150 to the no. I'm going to roll the dice with the, the plus 150 to the no and just hope for the best that the team that scores first doesn't win. But it's one of those plays where you play it and... You know, whatever happens, you're going to have a plus 150 coming back to you later in the game if that team uh, doesn't win. And you could hit both sides. It might be like, you know, it might cover a loss on the team that you had. I don't know why, but I feel as if though that Philadelphia is going to score first. And I think it's going to be Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts. I think Philadelphia is going to score first. Look, Kansas City... Kansas City are the the visiting team, the designated visiting team, right? So Kansas City are going to be the ones who are going to call the uh, you know the the coin toss. Basically, I think either way, Kansas City is going to end up kicking off. If Kansas City win the coin toss, they're going to defer. All right, Andy Reid likes to defer. He likes to get the ball in the second half. He likes to, like, roll the dice with his defense first, like thinking, oh, you know what, if I can just get a stop and I can, you know, get the advantage on these guys. So we know this. We saw this. They gave the ball to, to, to Joe Burrow last week, right? They kicked off. They, they, you know, they won. He said, no, no, we're going to defer. You guys get the ball first. So, and I think Philadelphia will do the same thing. I think Philadelphia, so either way, I I believe that, Butker's going to be the one. The one. I think Philadelphia are going to be the ones to get the ball first. I think Butker's going to kick off. Now we were talking about the um, will the kick be returned? This has been a you know this this was a popular one last year. Our boy Pop McAfee talked about it, and it you know it exploded. The it was like really 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 heavily bet. 
but it was a touchback last year in the Super Bowl. But 18 of the last 21 Super Bowls, the kickoff has been returned to start the game. Adrenaline rushing through the kicker. And, you know, the adrenaline doesn't help. Like, the, the ball skies a bit. It gets a little bit high. The kicker, the kickoff returner wants to, like, start the Super Bowl off with a splash. This is his shot, right, to make history. And it's a different ball. Level three, this is Sports Rage. I am Gabriel Morenci. The pimps, the players, the hustlers, the people, the bust them, and everybody else in between. Countdown to kickoff is on, but Kyrie Irving's got to go and, like, uh, get, get in the news again, uh, doesn't he? So Kyrie Irving has been traded from Brooklyn to Dallas. Kyrie Irving is an, all, uh, an all-star. The last time that a, um, a player that was all-star that got traded in the same season was actually Carmelo Anthony in 2010. And 11. And all you need to know about Kyrie Irving, listen, he's a brilliant basketball player. He's a great player. And he's not really a bad teammate on the court either. Right? Like, players, like, don't mind playing with him. He wants the ball and stuff, but he lets you shoot as well. Yet, obviously, it's his, his you know, it's his personality. And, all you know, Kyrie Irving is the first player in NBA history to average 25 points. Five uh, rebounds and uh, five assists and get traded in, in midseason. So hold on. Let me, let me just, uh, I want to go back to something, actually. If you were tuning into the show last week, I know I was pretty upset about Pascal Siakam getting screwed. So Kyrie Irving's an all-star. He's scoring 25 points, five rebounds per game, and five assists per game. Pascal Siakam's not an all-star. He scores 25 points per game, eight rebounds per game, and six assists per game. So you see what I'm saying? And Kyrie Irving thinks like he's a victim and he's been persecuted or something, right? It's like, bro, like you know, like I talk about Siakam. Like, does that does this make sense? All right, so Kyrie Irving's an all-star. So Pascal Siakam scores the same amount of points as him. Yet averages three more rebounds a game and averages one more assist per game. But Kyrie Irving's the all-star. Okay. All right. Dallas are going to be an and man, Dallas are going to be an explosive team to watch right now with Luka and with, with Kyrie. The question is, how are they going to coexist? Will they be able to coexist? Are they going to be able to make it work midseason uh like this? And who's going to play defense? So Kyrie's going to make his debut on Wednesday. Not tomorrow, but on Wednesday in Los Angeles against the Clippers, who a lot of people think might get Fred Van Fleet, and I'm one of them. This is Sports Rage. Jason B. Takafin next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. 
Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Sunday, this is Sports Rage. I am Gable Brancy, Series XM Channel 159 on the Sports Grid Radio Network. Chef Telemar AM radio affiliates, including the mightier 1090 ESPN Radio, SoCal in the house, and so is Jason B. Takafin, a three-time champion, the general manager of the A-Ball affiliate of the Toronto Blue Jays, Jason B. Takafin. Always a pleasure, my man. How you doing, Jason? Gabe, I'm so pumped up. We got two weeks until Pitchers and Catchers report, or a few weeks rather, and then four weeks into the World Baseball Classic. So it's like still middle of winter. It's like minus 30 all up the East Coast, but... It's baseball season soon. Well, it's Valentine's Day, which I don't really understand why they don't they kill the merry baseball players evidently with the pitchers and catchers reporting on Valentine's Day. I don't know why they don't do it on the fifteenth. Uh, but yeah, we're uh, it's like a week and a half now, basically a week and a half away from uh, pitchers and catchers reporting. And you know, people are excited about the World Baseball Classic. People are excited for baseball as football is winding down. Hope springs eternal and all that type of stuff. But there's a scandal that just won't go away. And there's a new book uh, right now, uh, Evan Drellich's new book, Winning Fixes Everything, um, has has a lot of detailed information about the Houston Astros and Alex Cora and what was actually going on and just how open Cora actually was about it. And the, the quote is, when Cora arrived in Boston to manage the Red Sox in 2018, he would occasionally talk about the Astros sign uh, stealing from 2017 and even brag about it, especially in a late-night setting after a couple of drinks. Um, Unnamed source, when he started drinking, he would start talking, (laughs) especially (laughs) when they started drinking. He once told the team, we have stole that World Series. Um, While many teams accused uh, were accused of illegally stealing signs during those years, Cora's acts were seen as particularly egregious. We know the Astros uh, did... Uh, steel sides. Another member of the Red Sox told Drellich because Alice Cora told us they did. He said that when they played the Dodgers, we already knew what everybody was throwing before we even got on base. We didn't even have to get on base. We were like, what the hell does that even mean? So I guess where I'm going with this is how does, why did everybody else pay a price? You know what I mean? AJ yeah. Finch got fired. Carlos Beltran got hired. And we'll get to Beltran in a second, but Beltran got hired to be the manager of the Mets and never got to manage a game. Yakora has just sort of cruised along, drinking it up and laughing and basically boasting about stealing the World Series. Yeah, Cora did get suspended for the year also. Then he came back. Like him and AJ Hinch were essentially hired by their respective teams 10 minutes after their uh, suspensions ended. Hinch by the Tigers, Cora by the Red Sox. It was very uh, unsavory. And I agree with you in the sense that there really wasn't a punishment. It was almost like, a vacation. They had to make amends. They, there's a lot of sympathy pieces. 
um, the Astros themselves were punished. They were only fined $5 million, and they lost their first and second round picks for 2020-2021. That did not necessarily hurt them because in 2022, they won the World Series. Um, So I... It's a very. This is a very interesting topic because if the commissioner of baseball or the commissioner of any sport did not just report to the owners, and if they literally had a pie chart or, a, or if, they, if they reported to everyone, including fans, umpires, about the game, I think you would be able to say, okay, well, maybe Cora should have been a little bit more suspe- suspended a little bit more, or maybe we should have suspended them a little bit longer initially, or we should have taken our time with this to find out just how deep and brazen and unapologetic and how very naked their cheating was and how they knew Gave that when I heard about this five years ago, I immediately thought of Spygate. It reeks of the same arrogance and the same type of like, listen, everyone's doing it. Don't worry. It's an interpretation of the rules. If you remember what Belichick said, the punishment was very meek. The, yeah. the, the Patriots the difference only punished- is Belichick isn't the type of guy to brag and boast about it, right? Right. No. So that you know, that's the whole thing. So Cora, after a few drinks, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, remember when they went to London and he, he you know, when they when they played the Yankees, he was talking about, oh, I should have known, I knew this and they knew that, ha, ha, ha. He's pretty open about all of this. But let me ask you, so how the hell would we believe right now that Cora isn't doing anything? Like, or does he think, well, I can't do anything? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's hard to believe that Cora would just stop when this is his thing. I mean, they, he seems to be the ringleader of this. Right. He would have, so... Like Belichick, and like you saw when Josh McDaniels went to the Broncos in 2008 or 2009, and they were caught, you know, sign stealing, and that they were caught, you know, setting up the cameras. And then I think in 2019, the Patriots were setting up uh, stuff for uh, for one of their documentaries, and they were filming, they were filming the Bengals sideline, and oh yeah, it was just for a documentary. Like there would be no reason for him to stop. And I think also very similar to Belichick, Cora is challenging baseball to wipe away their their championship and to be able to say no you're not going to have an asterisk near there and you're not going to give this story more legs and you're not going to always have the second portion of the paragraph read to this and you lied to fans and then this always kind of be you're sort of going in a cycle now it works for football nobody particularly looks for football for integrity football is also a major powerhouse in live tv rights so they know that the news networks who carry the nfl games aren't going to cover it that much because they don't want to lose the live tv rights baseball doesn't have that luxury baseball is the actual opposite it has turned into a local tv sport so people are going to come after baseball and they're definitely going to come after someone who played for let's say a non-legacy team like the, who managed excuse me, for a non-legacy team the astros and now who's with the red sox jason b takafik kicking with us and i'll tell you i think you know I think it was overblown, personally. I mean, how incompetent do you have to be to be other teams not to realize what was going on, right? They are responsible. They are responsible. And let's not pretend as well. Listen, you were in a game, you know. So let's not pretend that everybody else wasn't doing something. They took. Did they take it to an, in an extreme level? Yes. Were they better at it than other people? Yes. But, dude, it was no secret, right? I mean, if, if, if I always like the story that, uh, for the record, too, Hinch didn't like it, right? A.J. Hinch wasn't part of it, really. He, you know, He's the manager. What's he going to do? Half his team is doing this. So he didn't like it, and he always told them, we're going to get caught. You're going to get nailed. Like, And there was the story when they played the White Sox, and Buddy on the White Sox said, you think I don't have to know? And they destroyed all the evidence. There was a story about how they literally panicked, Jason, right. ran like into the tunnels type thing and started like smashing TVs, 
get this stuff out of here. There was a blow up in the clubhouse after. Like some guys were like, we effing told you, man, we're going to get nailed for this and I'm not even doing it. And this makes us all look bad. Yet nothing came of it. The White Sox didn't say anything. It was just right. all talk. But like, you got to believe the other teams knew, right? You don't want to be a snitch. And that's the problem is yeah. you don't want to yeah. be, you saw what happened to coach to Eric Mangini. You saw what happened. Exactly. You, so, so you don't, and it's sad. And listen, you see. Well, I then people also start looking into you. Well, what about our team? Right. That's the old, right. remember like the old, like the Trevor Bauer stuff. I mean, pitchers hate him for coming out, but I remember, I think it was actually Cora of all people that complained about pitchers using too much stuff. And right. a Red Sox pitcher told him, bro, everyone's doing it. Don't complain about this because right. we're doing it. Now, if you getting back to what you, you made a really interesting point that you were saying how you mentioned Carlos Beltran. Carlos Beltran is probably the closest thing to a Hall of Famer while he was playing. He's not, you know, Pujols and Miguel Cabrera. Where they're well, it's just amazing, right? isn't it, Jason? That just I know we're talking about this. The book comes out and he just got hired by the Mets in the front office. I know. Like, and this weekend. The Yankees tried to sort of, we'll use the word sanitize him and kind of get him into the toe, you know, uh, toes in the water first, kind of inching his way in by having him on the Yes Network last year. And he's very good, and, and Carlos Beltran's excellent. But imagine if you're a young Astros player and you have someone who is going to the Hall of Fame and you saw all the success that he has, and he is teaching you how to do this, right? Just like Bill Belichick, all these Super Bowl rings, he is teaching you how to do this. He is showing you how to, quote unquote, in air quotes, get an edge. And I think that another key factor we don't talk about now is that very similar to Belichick and Brady and now Alex Cora, they are dare, they know that they have the Boston media to insulate them. They know the Boston media is the toughest, they're the loudest, they're the most aggressive, and they know that they are going to be able to hide behind them, even though Cora wasn't a member of the Red Sox then, but he won a World Series 2018. He's very well liked, took him back to the ALCS in 2021. For all intents and purposes, he seems like he's going to be the manager there for a very long time. They went after him very quickly after the suspension. He's still more or less very young, but it seems like he's going to have a nice little shield of the Boston media to protect him, and he's going to dare either it's the national media or the baseball people to come after him. And the Boston media hits back, and they hit back very hard. They're very loud. Pitchers and catchers report on Valentine's Day. Jason B. Zakopin kicked the word on Sunday, bloody Sunday. Continues. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling, the collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. 
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The late night anger match for class continues. This is Fortridge. I am Gabriel Brantz. He's throwing it down on Sirius XM Channel 159. Shout out to everybody listening in Dallas of Fort Worth 97.1. The Freak, Jason B. Takafin, kicking it with us right now. We're talking uh, baseball. We're about a week and a half away uh, from pitchers and catchers uh, reporting that the World Baseball Classic is what it's all about to set the stage for the upcoming season. And I think it's going to be great stuff. I mean, there's more excitement about this World Baseball Classic than there ever has been in the past. And I think they have an opportunity. The rosters are, are as stacked as they've ever been. And this is a great launching pad for the regular season, right? It just is. We get this. It's going to get people fired up uh, for baseball. Hell, the Caribbean uh, World Series is going on and all that stuff, man. There's baseball fever in the air right now. You can feel it. Yeah, it feels. this is the fifth iteration of the World Baseball Classic. It feels like it's bigger. It feels like it means something this time, whether it's because the players are a little bit more in. Maybe it's because baseball countries have won in the past. Maybe it's because... It hasn't happened since 2017. Obviously, with COVID, it pushed it back. There's all these different reasons, but it just has taken a while to build it up as well, right? I mean, what was the first World Cup like in 1934 or whatever? Right. You don't know exactly. That's always the comparison. And then you always, with baseball, it's, I know Jason Stark always has this idea. Maybe you play the semifinals and finals during the All-Star Week, right? Like you literally have the tournament in spring training or you have it in March, and then you just have the last, you know, two semifinals and Uh, one. Why, why? People are always trying to fix things that aren't broken, Jason. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine the way it is now. The only thing I would do it, I would do it now, or I would do it right after the season, one or the other. But I don't have a problem with it. I think, you know, it's you got to play it at some point in time, right? Yeah, there's never a right time to do it. Obviously, whenever you think about in-game tournaments, you know, the NBA always talks about where they're going to do something like a also a best-on-best. Best. The first thing I think of is Dominic Hasek at the 2006 Olympics. The Ottawa Senators worked so hard to build a team. He is playing uh, for the Czech Republic, a.k.a. not the Ottawa Senators who paid them. He gets injured in the Olympics, and then they lose him for the rest of the year. And that was just awful. Like, that was just truly, you felt very bad for the Senators, and there's nothing they could do about it. And then you think, okay, should these players be going to the Olympics? And also, if you like the best on best, would you, you know, the conversation, would you rather your country win a medal or would your team win a medal? Especially if you're well, talking I don't, about- I've always been fascinated by by this because people in America and North America talk, you know, they consider themselves to be big patriots and stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. Yet, they place the leagues ahead of the nation, right? They do. Like, you know what I mean? There's not any thought process of uh, at all should Mbappe play in the World Cup? I mean, he's making $400 million. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. like, no, it doesn't. Of course he's going to play. And they're ruthless, dude. They played. That's what I'm saying. Look, they played. They were playing EPL soccer, bro. And like a week later, they were in the World Cup, right? Yeah. Like the soccer schedule is ruthless. But I've always found that fascinating. Like if, and you know, the Team Canada thing in hockey is a little bit different because nobody's ever really said no before. Everybody wants to do it. But. Nobody called LeBron James out for not playing for the U.S. Like, no, you know what? I'm not going to do it this time, right? Right. Like, in soccer, bro, like, they would burn your house down. Like, I don't even want to say the things they would do to you if you were a star player. And Messi said, you know what? I don't know. I'm at the end of my career, and I, I got, you know, I'm just not into it. Like, yeah, let the young guys go. Like, it's unheard of. Yeah, why do you think that is? Like, there to here. 
it feels like, like you said, the World Cup started in 1934 in soccer. There's a historical precedent. And also it feels like in soccer, you are judged based on your World Cup and international uh, prowess. You, yes. What you do in your league doesn't feel... Oh, you're right. Messi won a million times in the Spanish league and no one cared. It was like, and well, no he's one, never won. Yeah, yeah. And and it's just also, it's so hard to compare soccer. Soccer is comparable to water or rice. No, or- I know. But I was just saying from a point of they even make more money. Right, so it's not like wow, we're they're risking something. They right. some soccer players are making more money than anyone in America is playing North American sports. So I've always just been fascinated by that. And baseball, you see, it's different. Like the Japanese are all in. Yeah, like Otani is like excited for this. The Dominican, I think they want to win this more than they want to win a World Series. Like yeah, Dominicans aren't playing around. Like. Um, Team Canada, I mean, Puerto Rico, Yadier Molina is their manager. Like, there, there's, it's going to be, I think there's going to be an intensity that baseball lacks in the first two months of the season that we're going to see that is kind of unlike in years past that we're going to see. Maybe it's, again, because it hasn't been there in six years or, you know, their teams have lost. They don't, baseball is as diverse as ever in the clubhouse. Players do not want to go back and have a full season of, let's say, their Japanese teammate giving them the gears about winning the baseball classic for three years, their Cuban teammate, their their Dominican teammate, their, you know, Canadian team. They don't want to have that. So I think that this year it feels a little bit bigger. This year it feels a little bit like, like there's something a little bit more at stake. And I love the fact that they're going to be in San Diego and Miami because those are great vacation spots and they themselves are also their event cities and they're going to be hosting events. And the atmosphere previously has been incredible for those events. Shohei Otani, there's going to be a lot of talk about him. So it's Artie Marino's not selling the team now after all. They're looking to, you know, they're looking to compete. They want to spend money. They want to get aggressive again. You know, the old unfinished business. Sure. So this is unique, though, for for Otani. He's going to make one start in the Cactus League, and then he's going to leave, and he's going to go to Japan because they're playing in Japan, right? So, like, the the Asian bracket is actually in Asia. So a very, very unique situation, is it? So he's going to be at camp, he's going to go, and then he's going to come back when Japan qualifies and comes to to North America after. (laughs) Yeah, he doesn't want to make any missteps. He's going into his walk year. He wants to say we're happy with the Angels, say hello to everybody there. And for the record, Jason, sorry, I just want to say, too, and the Angels said – and no, no, they don't want to upset him. They said yeah. no restrictions. He could do whatever he wants in the World yeah. Baseball Classic. We're not yeah. telling him. We're not, you know, anything. Yeah. It's it's a very I always thought that when when te- when players go, when you're when you have a bad team and you have a great player and they go to the Olympics, for example, the best on best, there's a massive risk because just as they're soaking in being with peers and they can be selling them on your team. They can be selling them on their team. And Otani's going to meet a lot of other star players. And he's going to be chatting with a lot of star players. They're going to be talking about how it's a great nightmare. he's going to be around everybody on every other team in the league. <laughs> he's he is like it is going to be and and he has no reason to stay in California with the Angels. They are not very good. The taxes there are very bad. Um, he literally carries the load there. He sees how much fun Bryce Harper had. He sees how much fun guys like Bregman, who he is much better than, had Verlander, all these guys in the playoffs. I think he likes the Angels. I think he likes the, the team. I think he likes the city. I just think he he actually does hate to lose. He, he well, wants to win. Well, then, then you have to look at yourself, and we just saw this in hockey, like, you know, I'm in Vancouver, like with Bo Horvath. Like, why would he stay in Vancouver? Like, why why would Otani yeah. stay in, in, with the Angels? Because Why wouldn't he sign with the Mets? Dodgers, but he can sign anywhere. San he can Diego. sign with the Braves. He can do a one-year deal. He can do a two-year deal. He can do a 15-year deal. He can have something where it's 30 years of payment. It doesn't matter because you everyone— think he'll get $500 million. 
yeah, he could in total he can get five hundred million. The real dollars of that could be a little bit less if and again it trickles towards the end where it's like two million per year for the last, you know, twenty years of it. But he can get whatever he wants. And that's like that's the kicker. Like when Alex Rodriguez signed his 10 year deal, he had an opt out after five years. Manny Machado has an opt out. Like the only people that don't necessarily have opt outs were Tatis and Bryce Harper. And they obviously signed Bryce Harper's Bryce Harper's uh, signing bonus seems to be on the back end. Although now everyone's getting paid through 40. He's only getting paid through 39. Tatis gets to be a free agent again at 34. Otani can do whatever he wants. He has the power. He, if he wants to sign long term, he can sign long term. If he wants to sign a contract where it's like, listen, we're going to do, let's say, a 10-year, $450 million deal, but I'm going to have an out after two years and four years. I just want to make sure you're committed. I just want to make sure this feels right. And if it doesn't, I'm just going to walk away, and that's okay. Full no trade, full no movement, full no everything, and he's calling the shots. There's never really been a player like him before in the modern era, and there's never really been a player like him before where he's going to be a free agent, where Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer are making $43.5 million. Manny Machado is going to be a free agent also next year, most likely. He's probably going to break the bank the year after Juan Soto. There's going to be, like, this is a year after Carlos Correa signed three enormous contracts. There's a lot of money, and Otani is a very sought-after, I hate the term asset, but a very sought-after asset. And Manny Machado, as you mentioned, can opt out after this year, and when you consider the how well he's played, he's going to do it because yeah. he can cash in and make more money. So if you're San Diego, like, wow. And, and I guess bringing Juan Soto in, they're not going to re-sign Machado, are they, Jason? Like, well, I, I would imagine he's going to opt out, and they're going to say, well, man, we've, we're paying everybody else, so we're going to pay him more again, and he's is he going to regress? What's your prediction? Does, is Manny Machado leaving? He probably does. I, I would say he does just because he won't be able to sign that big of a long-term agreement. He's going to be 31 years old. He is on pace to be a Hall of Famer. Third base is very deep with Hall of Fame caliber. People of Scott Rowland just got in. Manny Machado will get in, most likely. Um, look, it, it's hard to say with the Padres because they throw around money. They were rumored to give Judge or to offer Judge a ton of money. They were off, They were rumored to give Trey Turner a ton of money. They came and signed Xander Bogarts out of nowhere. And they're kind of inflating themselves because they can lose Machado for nothing and they can lose Soto for nothing in two years, but they want to win a World Series. And there is something nice about that. Betting man, I would say that Machado leaves after 2024 just because he can. And I think he's going to try something different. And I think all power to him. Can't say now where he's going to go. Can't say now who's going to need a third baseman. The Mets will probably need a third baseman after the Correa thing uh, didn't go very well. And Rafael Devers re-signed with the Red Sox. So... Uh, he will have a ton of leverage. And I think that the conversation will be amicable also because Machado did a lot for the Padres. He's been a great player. He's been a great leader. And he probably should have won MVP last year or at the very least gotten a lot more consideration. Paul Goldschmidt won because he had a great year, but also you know, a little bit of a lifetime achievement award because he had two second place finishes. But Machado's an excellent player. He'll be able to do what he wants. Betting man, I say he leaves. Yeah, because, you know, for the record, guys, so it's 2023, the contract extends uh, after the, the contract's done after the 2023 season, or he could leave. But if he stayed on, it would be five years at $150 million, and he could clearly get more than $30 million a year, and he knows this, so he, that's why we're just telling everybody. Doesn't mean he's not with San Diego, but from a contract standpoint, he is going to opt out because he's going to get paid more money than what's on the table, but we got to opt out because we're out of time. Jason B. Tack, it's always a pleasure, Jason. Thanks so much for having me. Talk to you soon. Thanks. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Want to come with me and Wally to the Super Bowl? Oh, absolutely. My favorite team's in it. The Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, ever since I was a boy, I've always loved the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, they're good, but I wouldn't cut out the Denver Broncos. Yeah, I hear that President Clinton is going to be watching with his wife, Hillary. The Late Night Anger Match for Classes is Sports Rage. I don't know if you're aware of this, actually, uh, Matthias, an Atlanta Falcon fan. The Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I think today's the anniversary, actually. It was on, like, on this date type one of those deals. On this date. Um, let me get it right, but I believe it is on this date that they uh, they blew. Yeah, 2017. On this date in 2017, Tom Brady and the Patriots came back from a 25-point deficit. 28-3 against the Atlanta Falcons. To win the game in overtime. Largest deficit um, overcoming Super Bowl history. It was the first and only overtime Super Bowl game as well. I wonder if we're going to get overtime this year, potentially. If you think if, if you think the game is, who was it? Somebody actually predicted. It was Mick Aussie, actually. Well, shout out to our boy Mick. Mick Aussie on Game Time Decisions on Friday night actually did predict this game's going to go to overtime. And I remember I told him, I said, well, you know what? It's like, it was like, it's like plus 10. It was a weird number. It was like plus 1065. <laughs> so in between 10, you know, in between 10 and 11 to one. So sorry, Matthias, to bring this up. But yes, it was on this date in 2017. Gabe, it's, it is what it is, Gabe. It is what it is. I actually saw it on social media earlier today where they showed every <laughs> single point in the, you know, every single touchdown in the comeback and, you know, the sequence, the fumble. Well, did you watch it? It's nice to relive it. Oh, yeah, yeah I watched it. You know, it makes oh. me sick to my stomach just a little bit. For Yeah, it is what it is. It's sports. It's it's bitter. But, you know, what? <laughs> hey, can't change the past, my friend. But we'll see what happens this year. But the Super Bowl should be fun. I've, that's crazy that you watch. I don't. Uh, 
I don't like watching things. Like, I would never watch, like, the Dodgers losing in the World Series over. <laughs> like, uh, like hey, let me watch this Michigan-TCU game uh, over against. Like, nah, it's, I, know, I know how it ended. I mean, I, I know how it ended. So you want to relive the pain. But, yeah, on this date, 2017. And now it's crazy. So Tom Brady is now somewhat, I guess he's, uh, I guess he's retired now. All right, so will this game go to overtime? You know what? I think it actually could. And I don't mind taking a stab, actually, at at some plus money, plus money props. And as we stated earlier, knowing that they're not all going to hit, obviously, but the overtime one is intriguing. Let me get you the exact number. Like I said, it, it, it is pretty much what I what I said. It's like plus plus ten sixty five, eleven to one, twelve to one, whatever. I guess depending on the book. As uh, will the game go to overtime? Plus ten twenty five right now. You could actually say no at eighteen to one. You know, there's you know what what are the, the a prop that we haven't talked about actually is will there be a safety? I got to tell you, man, San Francisco came pretty freaking close to getting Jalen Hurts once in the end zone. Uh, like, he barely got out. Will there be a safety? There was a run in the Super Bowl where there was, and the sports books were getting killed with it. You remember there was the safety scored on the first play of the game of a Super Bowl? That was the uh, the Seattle-Denver Super Bowl. They... They sailed the, the the opening snap like over Peyton Manning's head, and it went to the end zone. So that's another one. You know what I'm saying? So like, will the game go to overtime? All right, you're getting out at ten to one. Will there be a safety in the game? Let me see, let me see. Let me find the odds here. But I man, I get frustrated when I do this. I get a headache. But it's time. There's no you know what I mean. It's like an exam. We've got to get this done. I have been writing down. I've got a list. I've got some plays in. We told you about, we talked about Jarek McKinnon, and normally I don't play these ones. I'm not a big fan of the, the. put it this way, if I'm going to play a longest rush prop, usually I'll play it to the over. If I think a guy can pop one, right? I don't like really like betting the under in a thing in 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 a in a rush prop like this because like I said all it's just one run you know what I mean boom he pops one for ten yards you lose the bet simple as that it could happen like right away but I don't think McKinnon's going to touch the ball that much actually I know a lot of people are high on him and I didn't fully agree with all of Babano's takes but doesn't mean that he's not going to be right right. It's not my job. I'm not going to. So I should sort of stress that. Like a lot of people tune in and you hear like if a guest is going on and on about something. doesn't mean that I agree with it. But also, I don't want to be a jerk all the time and jump in and tell someone, oh, I don't like your pick. It's not, you know what I mean? No, like we're, that, that's why we bring the guest on to get different opinions. Different opinions. But I know the Babano seem to be really high on McKinnon. And I, I think that he will catch some passes out of the backfield. But from a rushing, from a rushing perspective... I don't think he's going to do much uh, much damage. And we've already bet it, actually. We did bet this under 9.5. So, look, against Cincinnati, he had four rushing attempts, guys. Like, don't, don't kid yourself as far as, like, how much he actually touches the ball. He had four rushing attempts in, in the Bengal game. 
He got one yard. His longest rush was four yards. He was targeted four times, and he did have two catches for 17 yards. The Jacksonville game, he got the ball 11 times, guys. He had 25 yards. Like, you'll notice a pattern here. So he averaged 0.3 yards per carry against Cincinnati, 2.3 yards per carry against Jacksonville. In the last regular season game, he got the ball twice out of the backfield, and he had six yards rushing. The game before that, he got the ball twice. He had four yards rushing. So you see why I like the, the long yard rush to the under nine? And the entire season, in the entire season, he's gone. He's had a rush yard of over nine yards. I'm not going to say nine yards, but he beat this bet four times. And they played a lot of games. So that's including the two playoff games as well. He's pretty much played every game, actually, too. Like, his numbers are always the same. Like, he carries the ball a couple of times. He doesn't really do much. And he catches, you know, two, three, four, four balls out of the backfield. Pacheco is the one that has really, really started to take over as far as, like, the, the lead back with this football team right now. And so, as I stated with, with McKinnon, it's 12 of the last 14 games. Because he actually did it. He actually did it in the first game of the season. And um, he had an 18-yard rush in the first game of the season. He had a 30-yard rush um, in October. October the 10th, he had a 30-yard rush. Then he went all the way to December the 4th. December the 4th he had a 14-yard rush. And then uh, against Houston the week before Christmas, he had a 26-yarder. He carried the ball 10 times in that game. There's been like, so you know, and he had a 26-yard run. They're basically, the only time he ever really gets a bunch of like touches and carries, guys, is if somebody gets hurt. Like if something happens, you know what I mean? Somebody gets hurt and then suddenly he's thrust into it. But he does catch more balls. So that was my point with Babano. So if you're playing McKinnon, I don't have a problem with playing him over receiving yards. I don't have a problem with that. I think he could catch some passes out of the backfield, but I don't expect them to do any damage running the football. So we've already put the play in. Like I said, it's 12-2 and two the last 14 games. Under 9.5, longest rush, Jarek McKinnon. Every play that I'm putting in, I have a pretty legitimate sound. You know, I'm not just like, you know, not just a, a hunch. Uh, we were talking about the, this is one as well. So it's time to start getting serious here. I can't repeat them a million times throughout the week. We're going to move on and you know what I mean? But I will post them online and stuff. I'll do some videos. But the one yard the one yard touchdown, over, under, one and a half, longest touchdown in the Super Bowl. You'd think that, well, you know, the ball's got to be on the one yard line. It does. The ball needs to be on the one yard line. The thing is, pass interference puts the ball on the one yard line. That's why this hits as much as it does. So between the randomness of getting to the one-yard line and getting stuffed and or a, a penalty in the end zone, which puts the ball on the one-yard line, six of the last seven Super Bowls, there's been a touchdown from the goal line, from, from the one-yard line. 
23 of the last 33. So it's not just sort of like, okay, it's, you know, six and a lot. Because some things, it's like, well, yeah, but, you know, eight years before that, it only happened once or whatnot. No, this has been a pretty consistent, a pretty consistent score in the Super Bowl. Six of the last seven Super Bowls have had a touchdown from the one-yard line. And 23 of the last 33, that's 23 and 10. It's minus 155. That is something also that we've played. So we played Jarek McKinnon, longest rush yard, under nine and a half. We've played um, touchdown, under, under the one and a half. We're going to go with uh, that. Travis Kelsey. To score a touchdown. That's more just sort of like the game prop. But as far as some of the, you know, some of the player props, I do think Travis Kelsey, listen, that, that's his guy. Travis Kelsey minus 125 to score a touchdown. He's got 15 touchdowns this year. He's got he's got touchdowns in eight of his last nine playoff games. Travis Kelsey. So I would expect I expect Travis Kelsey to score a touchdown. I wouldn't be surprised if Travis Kelsey scores two touchdowns uh in this game. The will either will either quarterback or any quarterback will anybody throw for four hundred or more yards in a game is plus plus uh, nine hundred is nine to one. I don't think I don't think that Jalen Hurts will do it. But if this game turns into a track meet, Mahomes can get there. As I stated, it's not a bet you go crazy on, but you put a hundred bucks on this, you know, you're getting a thousand dollars back, right? The the plus nine hundred plus the hundred that you staked, right? You're gonna get a thousand dollars back. Or 50 for, for 500. That's not bad. You, know, you put 50 bucks, game turns into a track meet, and Mahomes throws for 400 or more yards. You just, you know, you're getting 500 bucks back or 100 for 1,000. I'm going to put 100 bucks on this. I do believe it's going to be a higher scoring game. And I also believe that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to throw the football a lot more than they're going to run the ball. Philadelphia are hard to run on. Number one, number two, Kansas City. They're they're pass. They lead the league in passing. Right. I mean, they have the number one passing offense in the National Football League. They're not just going to change what they do. The late night anger management class countdown to kickoff. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabriel Morenci. The pimps, the players, the hustlers, the people of Busto, and everybody else in between. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. 
The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. One step closer. Countdown to kickoff. We'll be throwing it down in Glendale starting on Tuesday. Game time decisions, Tuesday. And then uh, we'll, we'll, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, Friday. Uh, we'll, uh, we're going to have, uh, man, we're going to be jam packed this week. Ton of guests. We're going to jam pack all the shows, different, uh, you know, get as many different uh, opinions and predictions as possible. So. I told you about Jarek McKinnon. I told you about the shortest uh, touchdown over under one and a half. Talking, we'll get into the safety tomorrow. We'll go over the, the history of the safety in the Super Bowl. But shout out to our boy Degenerate Dean in the, uh, in the chat who says he sees it at uh, 11 to 1. 11 to 1, uh, safety. Will there be a safety in the game? 11 to 1. That's not a bad number, actually. I was expecting, like, I don't know, 7, 8. They lowered it. If you guys remember, it was basically the Giants. Then the Giants were at a bunch of Super Bowls, and the Giants, there were safeties in the Giants game. There were safeties in the, in the, in the Bronco game. I think they were just off the top of my head. Like I said, it sort of randomly just popped in my head as we were talking about props before. And I was like, you know what? We didn't talk about the safety at all. And... I think there was a safety in like three or four Super Bowls type thing. There was a couple of years in a row there was a safety. I remember it was like a big, big, like the book got panicked. The books were panicked years ago because people started betting it and it kept happening. <laughs> and they kept losing big. And I don't know, it was that classic. Some some people bet like the first score of the game will be a safety in that Seattle-Denver game and they cashed in large. Greg in Philadelphia. What's up, Greg? He's adamantly saying, he said this like four times. He keeps coming back to it. Both Kelsey brothers are going to score a touchdown, he says. That's a bold prediction. All right, thanks to uh, to Matthias and all of our guests tonight. Other than that, you're on your own. Later. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. 
Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.